0: Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today it's just us, and we're talking all about books and reading.
1: But not only reading, we're talking about how we got into reading and our childhood reading memories. And making this outline, I just had so many like incredibly visceral memories of about book things as a child, and I'm excited to reminisce about them with you and hear about other people's in the Facebook group. Same. But before we get into this episode, this episode is brought to you by Knight, the makers of our favorite pillow. We're going to tell you more about it later in the episode, but you can take 20% off your order at discovernight.com with code BOP20. All right. So before we get into it, Becca, what was your high this week? I have two. So, my first high was that last weekend our friend Jackie came to visit. She was here partially for work, but then she stayed the weekend. And Jackie was one of my is one of my best friends, but was one of my best friends in New York before she moved to San Francisco 6 years ago. So, it was so fun. I got to spend 3 nights with her. I was like I will attach myself to you and spend as much time as physically possible with you. It was wonderful.
0: Yeah, it was really nice to see her. I only saw her one night, and we had a slumber party at the Four Seasons. But um, yeah, it was really good to see her.
1: Yeah, it was so fun. And then my second is that it feels like spring in New York. I don't know if it's just a tease and it's going to go back to winter, but it's been so nice the past couple days. And my friend Rachel is currently visiting me with her dog. So I'm renting her dog, and I'm just going to take him on so many walks. I'm so excited
0: rent a dog that's so ex- i'm so happy for you you're I getting am the too. the animal love that you deserve i know yeah
1: what about you what's your high
0: um my high so i feel like to, this week is just one giant blur of like highs and lows so today i um i got up at 6 and like started working then i had to be at a photo shoot at 10 because i um I did a, a secret project with Tanya Taylor. Then um, I went straight from there to Amazon Design Review meetings. So my high is that I um, finalized the collection today, literally today.
1: I got to see it all before we started recording. It is so good. It's so cute. And I'm wearing one of the tops right now. It's only eight pieces. It was
0: heartbreaking to cut some styles, but they didn't want me to have like too many dresses um, and but I'm really happy with how it came out. There's two amazing emerald green dresses. There's both the red leopard print and the green leopard print. Um, I'm just so happy with it. I also freaked out because, so we finalized it today, and they're like, okay, tomorrow we need your blogger gifting picks. So I get to gift like 10 um, blogger girlfriends pieces from the collection. And um, usually, you know, you can give people greater turnaround. So I – before Becca got here, I was like frantically sending them – I didn't have line sheets, so I like made mirror selfies. Like I just took mirror selfies of everything, um, resized it, threw it in a zip folder, and sent it out to 10 friends. And I think my high is that they all got back to me so quickly, like within 10 minutes. That's and, amazing. Like everyone's really busy. And it just like warmed my heart that people were excited about it and that everyone loved the stuff because we've been working so hard on it and I haven't gotten to show it to anyone. And I was also so rushed. Like I like to like I wanted to like edit the images and have like a pretty PowerPoint deck with like why I liked everything. But I can't do that because I have to give them who's getting what literally tomorrow morning. And it's already 4 p.m. right here.
1: But it's so great that everyone came out to support you. I know. I felt very, um, really like
0: just happy, like supported and also like, okay, we're on to something. This is going to be a good collection. So that made me happy.
1: Oh, I'm so glad. What about the low side? The lows was just the
0: craziness of today. Like I got stuck in the rain. I got, um, my Uber driving me to the photo shoot, like took a really roundabout way. So I was half an hour late to my shoot, which I really pride myself on being professional and always being on time. And I hate being late. And I was like very upset about that. Um, the other thing is I like hurt my neck um, and then I got a massage the other day and it like made it worse. So oh. my neck feels like it's like floating on my head and like hurts a little bit on the sides.
1: How'd you hurt it? Um,
0: I think I hurt it snuggling on the couch with a boy because um, do you know when you're like you're both on we're both like tall people and like angled in and I was like. Like this, like I'm I'm positioning myself to Becca. It's hard to explain it. I was like positioned on my side, but watching the movie, and I hurt myself.
1: Oh no. You know, you're getting the old when, side of cuddling. You know,
0: you're getting old when snuggling hurts your like hurts your neck.
1: Oh my god. So
0: separate couches next time.
1: That's so funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: how about you? Um I'll preface this by saying that it's more high than low, but I am having visitors 10 days in a row. I'm in the middle of it. So Jackie was here. My friend Allie was here yesterday. And then my friend Rachel is here through Saturday. And my body is just screaming for vegetables and water and exercise and sleep. Yeah. Overall, I'm very excited to spend time with all of them, but not necessarily the most healthy, productive choices yeah i mean
0: that's that's the the hard thing when with when friends aren't i feel like that was me a couple weeks ago when natalie was visiting Mm -hmm. and then the guy i was seeing was here and like i just i was like i'm gonna die like i just want like a a big salad and yoga oh my other high is that i'm going to miami tomorrow so that's exciting
1: that's very exciting
0: yeah So, guys, we're really excited to bring on a new sponsor this week. It's a brand that I've been a big fan of for ages. If you
1: read my blog at all, you know this. It's Beauty Counter. Yeah, this is really fun and exciting, mostly because I am actually a total newbie to Beauty Counter, and I got to try a whole bunch of their products, and I'm going to give you unbiased thoughts. And you know that I'm trying to go as clean as possible with my routine. Um, You know, like I, I try to eat clean. I'm trying to use cleaner and safer cleaning products in my home. So why would I want to use makeup or skincare products that contain questionable ingredients? And so that's generally why I was so intrigued by this brand.
0: Yeah, so if you guys are not familiar, Beauty Counter is a clean makeup and skincare brand that started in 2013, completely disrupting the beauty industry by shedding a light on the need for stronger ingredient regulations in the personal care products that we use daily.
1: And today, Beauty Counter is the leading clean beauty brand, creating innovative and high performing products that are safer and cleaner than even their like-minded competitors.
0: So they make products for the whole family that have a rigorous ingredient selection process. I really love that they're dedicated to educating people on questionable and harmful ingredients and advocating for more health protective laws for the beauty industry.
1: Yeah, I think that's really cool. And I loved learning about their Never List, which has over 1,800 questionable ingredients. Wait, so Grace, what are your favorite beauty counter products?
0: Okay, so I could go on and on. If you guys want more of this, go to my blog and just type in beauty counter because there's a lot. But um, I think my absolute favorite product that they have is the Dew Skin. I am shade two in that. Um, It's just such a good tinted moisturizer. It's got SPF. It leaves you like really glowy and radiant and pretty. Um, The next thing I'm obsessed with is the blush in Nectar. So it is I got recommended this by my audience because I was looking for a clean dupe for NARS Orgasm and so I bought this because so many of you guys told me to try it and it is. It looks exactly like NARS Orgasm. It's that pretty pink, peachy, glowy, um, like it has a little bit of shimmer in it. It's such a pretty blush. I also love all the lip shears. I love all the body products. I am obsessed with the Citrus Mimosa Shower Gel. Um, It's really creamy. It gets you nice and clean, but it doesn't strip. So it's very, very hydrating. And lastly, I would say the whole counter time line is really great, especially though the serum and the soft moisturizer. Um, Those are my two favorites from the line. What about you? Oh, the cleansing oil is really nice too. And the essence. So everything. So everything.
1: Uh, So I'm, as I said, I'd never tried anything before. I'm about two weeks into my beauty counter journey, and I've only tried a few things so far. So the first thing, Grace is right. The Citrus Mimosa Shower Gel is really good, which I kind of hate to admit because I make fun of Grace for loving shower gels so vehemently, and I agree. This one is really, really good. I tried the Dew Skin, which I really liked. Um, it's a tinted moisturizer, so it's lighter than my regular foundation and I love that it has an SPF in it, so it's kind of a combined step. And and I've been using the brightening facial oil and I really like that. I haven't been using it long enough to tell you if it really does anything long term, but I just I like the feeling of it, how it goes on. Um, it's like a nice hit of moisture and I'm very into it so far.
0: I actually haven't tried that facial oil, so I'm really intrigued. But um, from moisturizers to makeup, from cleansers to sunscreen, Beauty Counter is at the forefront of using clean ingredients to
1: create products that are effective and really, really work. Okay. And we have an offer. So if you are listening to this before March 15th, you can get free shipping on your first purchase of $100 or more at beautycounter.com with promo code BOP. So Before March 15th, that is free shipping on your entire order of $100 or more at beautycounter.com with promo code B-O-P. There are some restrictions. If you are listening to this between March 15th and March 31st, for a limited time, new customers can get 10% off their first purchase of $100 or more at beautycounter.com with promo code B-O-P. So again, 10% off your entire order of $100 or more at beautycounter.com with code BOP if you are listening between March 15th and March 31st. I know that's confusing. We'll put it in the show notes. Okay,
0: so let's talk about books. So one of the things we always talk about this at our live show, and it's always such a hit. So we thought today we would bring this to the... Podcast and expand it. So, if you've been to one of our live shows, you might have heard us talk a little bit about some of these things.
1: I'm so excited to talk about book nostalgia. And also, I think we'll have a lot of good book recommendations, maybe some that we haven't talked about on the podcast before. Yes. So, Grace, have you always been a big reader? I
0: have, like as long as I can remember. I remember, I think I was in like elementary school, like first, second, or third grade. I'm not sure which one, but there was this presidential reading challenge where you got medals based on like how many pages of books that you read and like I was always a failure at, at fitness like I could not do sit-ups I couldn't do a push-up I think my mile time was like 20 minutes like it was um I just was not an athletic kid at all I mean I'm not an athletic adult either but um it the reading challenge that was great so I got three gold medals I don't remember how many pages you had to read like to get a gold medal, but it was a lot. And I think I was one of like maybe two or three kids in the whole grade that got three medals. It was like a big deal. I was a reading champion.
1: I'm kind of pissed. I don't think we had that.
0: Well, I'm pissed about what you had because we didn't have what you had.
1: Well, okay. So I've always been a big reader. Um, And in retrospect, I would assume part of it is because I was the very chatty only child of a single mother so she was probably just like shut up like please stop talking and here are some books but I was like a huge reader for as long as I can remember I remember in elementary school writing books not real books but you know mini books yeah oh I remember that too but I was always such a big reader but then sometime in elementary school we had book it which, which I'm so jealous of. I think I was too old for Book It. I which think. is kind of a ridiculous premise. So if you didn't have it, or if you don't remember it, it is basically where over the summer, if you read enough, you got a free Pizza Hut personal pan pizza. And I am nothing if not a competitive person. So I took Book It very seriously. Also, I feel like the, the local Pizza Hut was not in our town. It was maybe in a couple towns over. So you know, I needed my Book It prize in order to get my mom to take me there. But I remember being that being a huge motivator to read outside of school. I also remember did you have library time? And everyone has library time in in elementary school, right? What does that mean? Like it was like a class period. Yeah, yeah, we had that. We I used to love going to the public library, but I also loved going to the school library and I remember there being such weird books. That people were hyper competitive about. Like, I remember specifically there was this book about orchids. It was like a nonfiction, like plant botany identification book. (laughs) (laughs) It was not, it was just pictures of orchids and descriptions of them. I remember it being such a hot commodity and people fighting over it. And it was always like such a big deal if you were the one who got to take it out. I don't know. I just, books were such a big part of my childhood. Same. There was never a time period, except, I mean, maybe in college because I was reading so much for school, but I can't think of a time in my life when reading hasn't been something I've enjoyed or something that's important to me. Okay. Yeah.
0: What about um, favorite books as a kid?
1: Ooh, I had a lot. So, I keenly remember – so I was not into the Babysitter's Club, but I was into the Babysitter's Club Little Sister series. It was Christy's stepsister? Somebody's stepsister. And she was like the tag-along, and they were younger. So they were maybe for like late elementary school as opposed to middle school age. So I remember being really into those. But for some reason, it didn't translate into the Babysitter's Club. Did you read Babysitter's Club? I did. I loved Babysitter's Club. I loved Sweet Valley High. I read a
0: lot of R.L. Stein horror books.
1: Oh, my God. I loved R.L. Stein, although I had Goosebumps and you had just R.L. Just Stein. R. L. Stein. My little sisters read,
0: R. L. St- read Goosebumps, but I was, like, too old for that. I Oh,
1: I loved Goosebumps. I, it didn't I- come out till I was, like, above that age range. I've talked about this, I think, a couple times on this podcast, but I frequently think about – there was one Goosebumps book about the – like, if somebody took a picture of you, it would steal your soul. I think about that all the time. That's so funny. I also think about Bloody Mary all the time.
0: You know who else I love was Judy Bloom. I read Mm – I remember reading Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret – And thinking it was, like, so scandalous. I didn't read that as a kid. And we just talked about, like, periods and getting boobs. But, like, we were young. So I remember reading it and being like, oh, my God, all this stuff is going to happen to my body. This is terrifying. No,
1: I didn't read that as a kid. That's funny. Okay. So I was really big into Babysitter's Club Little Sister's. I was really big into choose your own adventure books. Did you like those? I loved those. Those were younger, younger years. Oh, but I loved them. And then I would go back and then try to take other paths and I would try to figure out all the different things that
0: could happen. I would read them. like I read like the whole thing.
1: I was really excited. I didn't watch. um, What was that show that did a choose your own adventure TV show?
0: I don't remember. Oh, 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 I don't know. It's like that. It's not Black Mirror.
1: It was Black Mirror. Was it? I think oh, they so. did! Yeah,
0: they did a Choose Your Own Adventure movie. I think.
1: Yeah, I think I, I, I thought about watching that, even though I don't watch that show, just because I like Choose Your Own Adventure things. Oh, you know what else I loved? And I
0: might have talked about this on the podcast already. It's not fiction, but I loved Klutz books, Klutz Press. I know you love Klutz books, and I still remember like I went to Palo Alto with my family. We were on a road trip, and like I knew from like reading the back of the book that. Like P- Palo Alto was where um was where Klutz books were made. So I remember like being like really upset when we drove by their offices and it was just like in like an office mall. That's so funny. Like in my head, it was gonna be like this magical place filled with like balls of yarn and hair bows and magic tricks. Because I had like it's the like Klutz a craft factory. Yeah, I had the Klutz Magic Book. I had the braid book. That's how I learned to braid hair. I had um the Fimo clay book. Mm-hmm. I had a knitting one, I had a magic
1: tricks one like it was
0: my favorite.
1: Um I I don't know that I was into those. But oh, you know what was so formative for me? This was probably late middle school, early high school. And I, we've talked about this before and I know you haven't read them, but I've gotten it's one thing that's been so pervasive in my DMs where just like people will listen to this. I can't remember what episode I mentioned it. And I still get DMs about it, but these books—it was the first one is called Sloppy Firsts. Oh, the Megan McCaffrey books. Yes, I didn't read those. But. And there's five, and one came out fairly recently, like maybe in the past five or ten years, with the main character Jessica Darling as an adult. Okay, but I remember these books being so incredibly formative. It's about this girl and her first boyfriend, and. Uh, I loved these books so much. I'm very, very tempted to go back and, and reread them. But you know that I'm scarred from rereading Sweet Valley High.
0: Oh, my God. It did not hold up.
1: Did not hold up up
0: definitely listen to our episode with on ssr pod it's not our podcast it's on stands for shit she reads it's another podcast and we broke down a sweet valley high book
1: yeah it's all nostalgic reading and it's like a book club around different nostalgic reads and oh my god we read the first sweet valley high book and holy moly it does not hold up I feel like that's actually true of a lot of books from when we were children. You know what other book has caught a lot of flack? Did you read Island of the Blue Dolphins?
0: Mm, I don't think so.
1: Oh, I remember that being another book that everyone was so into when I was a kid. And, um, And I think that one has gotten flack. And then also Walk to Moons. Do you remember that one? No. Oh, I think both of them have gotten flack for cultural appropriation or racism of some sort. Okay. Which bums me out. So that's why I'm I'm kind of just like hesitant to revisit books from my childhood because yeah. what if they're not
0: good? Yeah, no, I know. That that um it was really disturbing reading Sweet Valley High and being like, These are the books that like formed me as an adult.
1: Well, it just felt so anti feminist mm-hmm. and it, it felt of another time. Totally. I don't know. Did you read Harry Potter as a kid? Was that formative for you?
0: I was in college when those came out. Did you read them when they came out? Yeah. Oh. I read them all. I My sisters were in high school reading them and I was in college and there was one Um, I had like not mono but like something similar to mono and like I was really, really sick for like a break. Like remember when we get like two or three week long breaks? Yeah. I think it was maybe the holiday break and I sat in bed and I read all of them.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. I didn't read Harry Potter until I was in my – I lived in New York so I must have been in my like mid to late 20s. Yeah. I remember like the seven, the
0: very last one came out when I was living in New York mm. and my friends and I dressed up like Harry Potter characters and went to the bookstore and got it at midnight.
1: Yeah, but I can't <laughs> remember if there were any series like that that were like, you know, those epic series that were formative to my youth. That was, I think, the first
0: one for me. And I was like, wow, this is cool. Because like it was that and then Twilight came out.
1: Oh, I love Twilight when it came out.
0: Yeah. And then, I don't know, that now there's been a lot like Hunger Games and what's the other one with Shailene Woodley? Divergent. All oh, I didn't those books. love that one. Oh, I loved that.
1: Yeah. What about, let's talk about our reading lives a little. I feel like these are kind of FAQs that we get a lot, but I, I thought it could be interesting to tackle. When do you read? Like, how do you find the time to read? So,
0: for me, it's – first of all, it's something I want to do. The only time – it's not something I want to do is if I'm reading like a more like nonfiction book, which is like a business book or something to make me smarter. But I really look forward to reading. So I like to read – if I'm taking a bath, I'll I'll read in the bath for like 20 minutes. I always try and read for like 45 minutes to an hour before bedtime. It's like how I kind of wind down and oh, like wow. stop thinking about work. Um, and then – I love like a good Sunday reading situation. Same. And I read a lot on vacation. Like I'm I'm headed to Miami and I'm packing like five books. Like oh, I, I like I same. love like a book a day diet, as we call it. Same. Yeah. Same. I think also a lot of the books I read are lighter. So it's just easier to read that many books when you're reading like one day in December and what was the thriller we just loved? Um You are not alone. You're not alone. Oh my god, I love that book. Yeah.
1: I feel like we have some differences because, well, so first of all, I'm not a before-bed reader. I know. What do you do before bed? How do you turn off? I like scroll through my phone. Oh. But the problem is, is that I feel like if I am reading before bed and I'm really into a book, I'll never go to bed because I'll just want to keep going. I mean, I do that sometimes. Or sometimes I'll wake up at like 6
0: and read for a couple hours before work.
1: Mm, I don't do that either. I feel like I'm more likely to read in the evening after dinner, but not before bed. Okay. I'm also not a huge TV watcher. So in general, I don't feel like I have TV competing for my time. Like I watch a few shows, but I don't watch – I'm not like a channel surfer. I don't have cable. I only have Netflix or Hulu, so it has to be slightly more intentional that you find something to watch. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, that definitely frees it up. And then the other thing I'd say is I – First of all, my favorite thing, and I haven't had a free weekend or a week – not a free weekend, but I haven't had like a not busy weekend in a few weekends. I just love a long Saturday or Sunday morning reading session. Yes. Where you like start and finish a book in one sitting.
0: My favorite is like I wake up, I go to yoga at 1030. I get home, I shower, and I get back into my bed with my book. And then I maybe have lunch. I move onto the couch with my book. And, like, I basically am reading from, I don't know, like, 1130 noon until, like, 5 or 6. That's the best. It's such a nice – it's such a nice weekend day.
1: I know. That's an ideal weekend day for me, too. And then the other place is just on planes I usually always read. I don't usually watch movies on planes and on vacation. Mm -hmm. Anytime I'm on a trip, I feel like I get a lot of reading in. Same. But I don't know. I, I I never know how to answer when people ask me how I find the time because it doesn't feel like a struggle to me Yeah, in that. I, I think because I've been such a reader since I was a child, it's so ingrained and habitual where it would be like, how do you find the time to shower? And you're just like, it's just part of my life. Yeah. I just do it. Agree. Now, what is your ideal reading sitch? So not when do you do it, but if you had to like Paint me a picture. It depends. When are you doing it? Where are you doing it? Are you eating a snack? Is there music? What's the ambiance like? Well, for evening reading, I have a little bit of a
0: routine. I do my skincare. I take my CBD. I get into bed with a glass of water and my book. So that's pretty straightforward for a weekend day of reading, there could be wine, there could be coffee. It depends on the time of day. There's not usually snacks. Books don't make me like want a snack, but I Mm -hmm. definitely need like my beverages. A glass of water is mandatory Mm -hmm. and then coffee during the morning or wine if it's like after, after, after three, you know, just kidding after like six o'clock. Okay. Yeah. I think it's really nice to, like, be, like, cozy in my PJs. Once things settle down in the work front, like, you know, this week and next week for me are, like, a little psychotic. But after that, it'll be back to, like, a slower season. And I can't wait to, like, finish work at 6, go to yoga, and come home and just be, like, I'm reading.
1: That sounds very nice. Yeah. I would say for me, if, I, if I'm if i playing an away game, which is my favorite reading time is on a beach. Same. Or actually, no, on a pool that overlooks a beach, to be honest with you. Yes. Because then I don't have to worry about getting sand anywhere. Oh, I don't mind sand. And I would like to have a bottle of sparkling water and some kind of drink, like a margarita or a glass of rosé, something. You know what I'm thinking about right
0: now? What? Is when we're sitting in the pool in Olbosh with the mezcal margarita and Oh, that was Nice.
1: They it were trying a, to
0: get me to, like, leave to go do things. And I was like, I'm reading idea of you and I have a mezcal margarita.
1: That was nice. It had, like, a ledge all the way around the pool. So it was perfect for,
0: yeah. for
1: reading. Um, but, yeah, I mean, pool reading or in a lounge chair by the pool is my ideal reading situation. But knowing that that can't be every every day. Yes. Um, I would say my ideal would be. I'm in really comfy clothes. Mhm. I have my coffee. And I'm on my couch. I don't read really well in bed. So I'm I'm on my couch and maybe it's a rainy Sunday, so mm-hmm. I also don't have any guilt about not leaving my house. I
0: love when it's raining or really really cold, so I'm like, well, I'm not going outside. I can't. I have to it's read. It's a good excuse. Yeah. yeah. I would say that's my ideal New York setup. Mhm. Yeah. Okay, now what about putting a book down? I get asked this in the DMs all the time. I'm like, do you do what it makes you comfortable?
1: No, I get these people because I struggle with this so hard. I can't put a book down. I very, very rarely put down a book. Like it has to be so awful, or. Yeah, like it has to do me so wrong for me to put it down because I have book FOMO where I'm afraid that if I put it down, it's going to get good and I'm going to miss it. So Mm. I will keep going almost always.
0: When I I do that, I think about Fleischman is in trouble, how I just kept going because everyone told me it was going to get better. And I just hated that book so much.
1: Don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of times when I keep reading, it's not that it does get good. I'm just afraid that it might get good. Yeah. I can't do it. I I used to have a really good system going because um, I used to read way more on my Kindle. And what I would do is I would download the sample chapter first. Okay, And then if at the end of the sample I didn't like it, I had a very clear point because I hadn't bought the book yet yeah. where I could then give it up. But in a regular book, I don't know how to quit it. What I will do sometimes is not admit to myself that I'm quitting a book and I will put it down and start something else and never pick it back up again. I do
0: do that. I found a bunch that I had like half-heartedly quit when I um, got my new bed because I piled up books like in a certain area and I was like, oh, and I just got rid of all of those books.
1: Yeah. So it's more lying to myself than proactively telling myself that I'm going to quit a book. Yeah. So wait, you're a book quitter?
0: I'll quit them if I feel like, if I feel like it's slowing me down because the other thing is, is that We both kind of have to read a lot for work so that we have things to talk about here. And also I do my monthly reading list on my blog. And there was one month where I only had three books on the blog because I spent so much time trying to read a book that I hated.
1: So what's your stopping point? What's the inflection point?
0: It just really depends. And I'll also like ask around. Like I will like if it's a book that's gotten a ton of buzz and everyone loves it. That was like Fleischmann is in trouble, for example. I felt like I couldn't put it down because Everyone had so many opinions about it. I needed to know, but a lot of times I'll get something either sent to us or I'll buy something that like just sounded cute. And if it's not good within the thirty first thirty to forty percent, it it gets put down. Ooh,
1: I want to be better about this. It just there's like look at
0: our look at my apartment right now. I have so many piles of books. Like if it's not good, I just want to like move on and try something else.
1: No, I mean I get the theory behind it. I just yeah. can't put it into practice. That's funny. Yeah,
0: I would have thought you were more ruthless than me because, like, overall, I feel like you're more ruthless than I am. Not with books, apparently. No. Um, speaking of ruthless, what about hard copy versus Kindle versus audiobooks? Why is that ruthless? Um, because people make fun of me because I'm such a purist. Because I just really want to read a hard copy book.
1: Oh, well. So I've actually had a change of heart in recent years. So I actually got very into reading on my Kindle kind of right around the time that I moved to New York. I was going on a trip to Europe and I I bought a Kindle for for that trip and I just kept reading on that Kindle and it was my I still use that same Kindle and it is probably at this point 10 years old, but it works great. But anyway, um I started reading hard copy around the time that we started the podcast because number 1 This all sounds so shallow, but number one, hard copy books are better for Instagram. Um, And then especially having moved to Brooklyn, I have, if you haven't seen on my Instagram, in my apartment, I have a wall of bookshelves. So I feel like I need books to fill that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my reasons for reading hard copy are really terrible. But um, I mean, that's where I'm at. But then I've also started to really enjoy audiobooks recently. I was going to say that, especially for rereading, because we always reread our podcast
0: picks. And um, I I cannot sit, I get so bored with a paper book reading it a second time. I know other people like to reread. I can't reread it unless I've totally forgotten what happens and it feels like a new book. Like one day in December had been a year, so it felt like a new book for me. But audiobook, it's like this whole other perspective because someone's telling you the story and sometimes there's voices and it just feels different.
1: I also like audiobooks because I feel like I'm getting something done in times when I wouldn't be able to do anything productive. So for instance, like when I'm walking to the subway or I I remember I – I was listening to an audio book when I was going to my friend Elizabeth's wedding in in Philadelphia, and you know I had to walk to the train to mm-hmm. the subway, get take a subway ride, had to wait in Penn Station, mm-hmm. board a like wait in line to board the train, and I just I read so much of a book in my trip there. I was actually really shocked how much I was able to get into the passive time of just waiting around, being in an Uber, things like that, where yeah. I I would be carsick, I wouldn't be reading. So I'm kind of into audiobooks.
0: No, I've definitely like turned a corner on audiobooks. Thanks. Well, really thanks to the podcast. Also, I love it during chore time. Like it makes chore time a lot more fun. Like I'll be putting away my laundry or like cooking. Yeah. Yeah, it's great during cooking.
1: Yeah. What about you've never done the Kindle thing? I had a Kindle
0: for like a hot minute and I hated it. I gave it to my mom.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. It
0: just wasn't for me. I think you have to just keep in mind, like my lifestyle is a little different than the average person in that I am on my phone so much for work and like to look at another screen does not feel like something I want to do.
1: I mean, I do still like Kindles for traveling. I think it's
0: it's such a practical thing, like especially if you want to bring four or five books. Exactly. I am not knocking it. Like I think Kindles are great. I just do not want to look at another screen. That's fair. Yeah. That's and it's, it's it's a unique situation. Like most people are not like on their phone doing Instagram all day long.
1: Yeah. What about controversial question, do you read from the library? Oh, I, I don't because and I think libraries are great.
0: Like I if I was not also as an influencer and someone who has a podcast and we get sent so many books from publishing houses now. Um, Yeah, I've
1: had to reconcile myself to the fact that my TBR pile will never actually all get read. I can't
0: read everything that I get sent. So, Even
1: if I want to. Some of it I don't.
0: So even to try and add to that, um, it would be silly. If I was not in this job, I would of course, go to the library all the time, like, because books can, can add up. And I have a whole system. Like I give a lot of books to friends. I give a lot, I mail books to my mom and my sisters and my aunt Jean, Jean Lint Mason, if you're listening, she loves, she loves all the murders as much as I do. So she gets a lot of those. But um, it's like the book mailers are like, there's a lot of them. And we're so lucky to have this job perk. But if we didn't, I would be a library person 100%.
1: I don't know that that's true. Really? I tried to be a library person before we started the podcast a few years ago because I would say throughout my early career, and I mean, it matters to me less now because I'm less conscious about small purchases that, you know, a book doesn't make or break my budget. But, you know, I've always been like a four or five book a month reader. And I'm like, oh, wow, my expenditures on books is kind of insane. So I tried to become a library reader and specific to the New York library. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't speak to other systems. I mean, first of all, the wait times are really long. So you can never get what you want. Like
0: I had a I was a library reader when I first moved to the city. And it was great because I worked in Midtown. So the library was close by, but I could never get what I wanted, especially like I was in a book club. Mm. And it, it was I could never get it. And I, I remember struggling my friends and I would share books like we, yeah. we did a lot of like passing books around but um it you're right the wait times can be out of control
1: well you just add yourself to the list and so you just have to have less of a preference but the other thing that I found really hard was that so I wanted to read on Kindle and the New York Public Library has two apps so one is called ooh, one is Libby, which is the one that everyone raves about. But the problem with Libby is that it doesn't have every book. And then the one that did have every book, I couldn't figure out how to get it onto my Kindle so I could only read on my phone. And I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Like it's too small. I don't want to read a whole book on my phone. So it was something that I, I mean, granted, I did not try as hard as I could have because I know a lot of my friends are big library readers. Like my friend Rachel is a huge library reader. And Um, but yeah, I think I I fantasize that if I lived in a smaller city or town, it would be easier to get things from a library.
0: It wasn't like that. Like growing up, I, we were big, a big library family. Like my mom would take us like after church, we would go to the library because the library was across the street from church. And, um, I just remember like always like renting, like renting is, it's not renting books. It's, taking it out. I don't know. I took out a lot of books.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think as a child, you were probably also less attuned to current trends. Like, the trends were based on what was popular in your classroom, not macro U.S. reading trends. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's true. I don't know.
1: Well, how do you keep track of what you want to read? Uh,
0: Well, I keep track of everything that I have read on my blog. So that's like my record-keeping system. For what I want to read... (laughs) It's kind of a clusterfuck. I have all these piles of books in my apartment and um like these aren't the shelves. The shelves are just my my bookshelves. But then the piles are sorted by what's coming out when, because we get sent a lot of these advanced release copies. So, so if you
1: if you just have an inkling that you want to read a book, you buy it and then you just put it in the pile?
0: I haven't bought a book in a while because we've been getting sent so many. So I put it in the pile if it's something I want to read.
1: So you're like passive. You're not like stalking
0: Uh no. There was a book I was stalking. No, I I feel so I feel like a spoiled influencer. Like mostly everything I want to read I've gotten sent to me. Or we called in a lot of books for like our spring book picks. Like Two Mm -hmm. Lives of Lydia Bird was really up there for me. But Mm -hmm. we were so lucky to get gifted that. Yeah. Um no. Yeah, there's nothing like I kind of have things on my radar like I know that in September Katie McGee's new book is coming out and I've pre-ordered that right but for the most part it's just my pile that's like and I have keep it sorted by what like so right now it's like what's coming out in March April May June yeah there's books coming out in August that we've been sent I know um which overwhelms me a little bit but it's exciting Hmm.
1: I feel like I'm much more proactive about this I'm A very big Goodreads user.
0: Okay. See, I don't use Goodreads.
1: Not in that I leave reviews per se, but in that I stock what's coming out. So I love – there's two features on Goodreads that I really love. Yeah. So the first one is if you go into any of the genres that you really like, at the bottom there will be something that shows you new books from authors that you've already read. So I feel like I discover a lot of books that way of like future releases that authors that I've read before have coming out. And then the other thing that I do is I stock the, if you go into new releases and then you click into the month, you can also look at the current month, but you can also tab forward and look at future months. Mm-hmm. And so I do that. I, I'm i like very much stock what is coming out even before it is. Oh, wow. Before the month comes up.
0: I also, lo- I love like finding book lists, like Buzz BuzzFeed. You do or, love book um, lists. What is the one- what's that say? Bustle always has like a good list of what's coming out that month.
1: Yeah, you love a book list.
0: But I'm like shitty. I just email the publisher now. I'm like, hey, I was considering reading this like and they'll send it to me.
1: I mean, it's the- don't get me wrong. It's, it is the best perk of the podcast, of in do. my opinion. Mm-hmm. However, I also am like, very much a book stalker where I get very excited about what's coming out. And I like to save it to my list so I don't forget about it.
0: Oh, yeah. I just have a pile. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just a pile. But the pile excites me. I look at the pile every like a couple times a week because I read like a couple books a week. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a quick break in reading talk to talk about Night Pillow. I feel like we haven't talked about Night Pillow in a a few episodes. Let's do it. But sleeping is pretty much one of my favorite activities and the Night Pillow is probably my number one sleep hack. So I discovered this pillow about five years ago when I tried it at a friend's house and was like, what is this magic? What's funny about that is it was my friend Jill's house and she was like, oh, some girl from The Bachelor had it. And the girl from The Bachelor is Ashley Spivey. Like smallest world. Fast forward years later, Ashley's our friend. Um, so I was just like, What is this? It's incredible. I promptly went home, ordered one of my own. So I've been a lifelong insomniac, and I really believe that this pillow has dramatically improved my sleep sleep quality. I have been a convert ever since.
1: So I'm newer to the pillow, but I've been using mine for about a year now. And what I love is that it is memory foam. So the pillow cushions your head, but then it also rebounds when you turn over. Mm -hmm. And that's such a big deal to me because I toss and turn a lot and there is nothing worse than the pillow pancake. Yes. Like my down pillows get so flat. Totally. So I feel like this pillow gives me really good support, which helps me both stay asleep, but it also helps prevent neck pain. Mm Mm-hmm. So I want to talk
0: about their signature silk pillowcase. The night pillow comes with a silk pillowcase, but you can also buy them separately and put them on any pillow that you have at home. And a silk pillowcase is a total game changer for your skin and your hair. And I also love that they come in colors now. I have the white ones on my bed right now and they make me so happy. I love an all-white bed personally. On the skin side, it helps to prevent wrinkles and also breakouts. I learned from talking to the night team that silk actually isn't absorbent, so it helps keep your beauty products on your face, not absorbing them into your pillowcase. I love that trick because I, I like to load up on my serums and oils before bedtime, but I don't really want to like give that to my pillowcase. I want it in my skin. It also keeps your pillowcase from absorbing grease, dust mites, beauty products, so you're not lying on that gunk night after night.
1: Yeah, I never really thought about that, but that's kind of gross.
0: Yeah, how often do you wash your pillowcases?
1: I would say once every 2 weeks.
0: Yeah, I'm like once every week or every 2 weeks. I change my sheets religiously every 2 weeks. Um but I try and do pillowcases more than that because I feel I do feel like I don't know like my face is like in there.
1: Yeah. On the hair side, though, a silk pillowcase helps to preserve a blowout longer since your hair doesn't snag on the fibers. Love that. So I usually find that I can get an extra day out of my hair since using the night pillow, which is really major for me as a reformed daily hair washer slash styler. I can get an extra week out of it yeah, using the pillow. you have different case. hair than me. <laughs> So, and I'm also completely obsessed with our scrunchies, which I have taken to sleeping in. And I love that I can put my hair up at night and not get a crease.
0: Yes. The scrunchies are a game changer for sleeping. Seriously. Also, just in my day to day, I tend to be wearing one. So
1: so many of our
0: listeners have tried and loved the night pillow, and we get it. Sleep is really personal, and I think that you have to try this to believe it. So I really love that night has a 100-night return policy. So you can buy the pillow, sleep on it for 100 nights, and if you don't truly love it, you can return it and they won't ask any questions. They'll just give you your money back.
1: Yep. And we have an offer for you. So you can use code BOP20 at discovernight.com to take 20% off your order. So again, that's code BOP20 at discovernight.com to take 20% off your order.
0: Do it and get some scrunchies and sheet masks while you're at it.
1: Seriously, everything they make is great. Grace, let's get into the book wrecks mm-hmm. section. Yes, we got a lot to say.
0: What was the best book that you've read in the past 12 months?
1: Well, Grace, this is a particularly hard question because for the past 12 months, I've said the idea of you, but I read it in February of 2019, and it's March now, so I can't say that anymore. Oh, I read it
0: in April, so I'm I'm off the hook.
1: <sighs> it's so hard. So I was trying to think about this last night, and I actually, I honestly think that it might be our March book club pick, which is I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it just is like such a... Wonderful book that just it it made my heart feel warm. I just I loved it so much. Um, so yeah, maybe that okay. it it's hard to it's hard to pick book favorites. It's really hard to pick book favorites. What's your favorite for the past twelve months?
0: The past twelve months? I mean, the idea of you is definitely up there. That was April. I think Verity is up there. I really loved it. I know that we didn't add for them. In last week's episode, but I really, really loved *You Are Not Alone* by Sarah Packenham and Greer Hendricks. Um, and what's another one that I really loved? Oh, there's, there's so many. I mean, I
1: asked you for one, so you've given three. Okay, so I can stop talking. Yeah, there's more recommendations here. But so the next question I had was, what are three blanket recommendations that you always give to people, regardless of their reading taste? Because I mean, kind of. I think like if you're asking me for a book recommendation, you're like, I generally like your taste. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like if you didn't ask them follow up questions, you'd just be like, "Here's three books that I would recommend."
0: Um, I would say what is one I really recommend that like every girl read? Tell Me Lies by Carilla Lovering.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that I just think is it's, it's it's a fun book. I always tell people idea of you because. I mean, I'm not a cheesy romance person, but I like could not put this book down. Same. I say verity, but like verity can be really triggering, like especially with like some of the violence in there. So I don't recommend that to everyone. Okay. Um, what is another one? I asked you for three. Oh, well that was that's that can be triggering, so I'm not gonna give that oh, to everyone. Okay. And Devil in the White City is one of my favorite books of all time.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say for mine, a sky painted gold, which is just a book that I evangelize because I truly love, but I also feel like it's such a fucking underdog. Mm-hmm. It pisses me off that it's not more popular because it's so wonderful. You are the evangelist of that book. And like, it's really, it's, it's delightful. It's I, weird how
0: few reviews it still has on Amazon.
1: Seriously. And I don't know that I've recommended it to anyone who was like, eh, that was fine. Yeah. So Sky Painted Gold, it's historical fiction. It's very like Great Gatsby. Loved it. Um, the other one that I always recommend, but with caveats, is a little life by Hanya Yanagihara, which mm-hmm. is one of my all-time favorite books. But it is basically a very long emotional breakdown to read it. Mm-hmm. So I loved it, and I oh, it's such a good book. But you have to be in the right mood. Yeah. Um. And then the other one that I feel like almost anyone would like is seven husbands of evelyn hugo by taylor jenkins reed oh i wish that was on my list i loved that book well you can take that one because the other one that i feel <laughs> like would be good here is matchmaking for beginners oh
0: yes that was i think my number one or number two books of last so year.
1: good again that one made me a little sad too but it was oh that book was so good
0: mm-hmm.
1: great book what about a book that everyone loved that you just could not get into Fleischman
0: is in trouble, hated it also, crazy rich Asians. like I just I loved the movie so much, but I could not get into the book. Like I picked it up so many times and was just like there' were so many characters. There' was so much label dropping. I'm annoyed, and I just never picked it back up.
1: That one is actually really surprising to me that you didn't like crazy Rich Asians.
0: I know. I don't
1: understand. you like shopping, yeah, it's- I like travel. I like Asia. I, yeah, that one surprised me that you don't like it.
0: I don't know. Like Visually, it was very appealing to me in a movie, but I, the book itself, I tried so hard.
1: I loved those books.
0: Yeah, something's wrong with me, I guess.
1: No, not something's wrong with you, but just it, it surprised me for you.
0: Yeah, I know. Same. I'm a materialistic crazy lady, <laughs> and I didn't like it.
1: <laughs> Mine, I feel like, has basically almost gotten me booed off stages when we've done this at live shows. But the oh, one yeah. book that I, I just cannot get on board with and everyone loved was Where the Crawdads Sing. That's so, yeah. You liked it, right? I loved it. It's a fairy oh. tale. It's a fairy tale and that takes place in a marsh. Grace, it's so bad. It's so good. First of all, it's written in hill people speak. I could not even <laughs> get into it. Oh, I loved it. And then second of all, I could not suspend my disbelief about this book. We're like, I'm sorry, this girl is living in a swamp. Where's Child Protective Services? And also, like, the Swamp Girl is getting fought over by two high school quarterbacks or something. Like, no, yeah, it's a fairy tale. Oh, that one is just so beyond me. How that has had such a big audience? I loved it's it. It's shocking. That's so funny. It's shocking. I hope you're. I hope you're still listening and you haven't turned this off to like yeah. go. Don't hate Report us. Report me to the book police. Yeah.
0: What is a book that you would love to see adapted into a movie? And who would play the main characters?
1: I mean, obviously the idea of you. If I knew how to adapt movies into – if I knew how to adapt books into movies, like this would be my life's because mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I feel like the idea of you would make such a good movie. So – in terms of the main characters, I do not know who would play Hayes, because I don't know enough young actors. Like, it definitely isn't Timothy Chalamet. It's Noah Centineo.
0: We we pick him mm, for everything.
1: But, you know, he's the only youth that I know. But you know what? He looks a little bit rough in the, the newest. Oh, my God. He looks so rough p- in the new. To all the boys I loved before video yeah. or movie. So I don't know if it's him. I I don't know the youths. It's not Jacob Lordy from the, um, the Kissing Booth. Like I don't have a good recommendation, but if you do, I am all ears. If somebody would like to tell me their like haze casting recs, I think on the Solen side, I think it's Gal Gadot. That's who I picture. Okay,
0: yeah. I still think she's too young for that role. No, she's
1: like thirty. She's not thirty. Gal Gadot age. we like racing. I know. Gal Gadot. Oh, she's thirty-four. Yeah, she's too young. uh, but that's why I picture like the brunette, like exotically very pretty, yes, woman. I picture um, Marianne Cozyard, but she's no, too she's old too for old. It. No, mm. it's not. uh, apparently, I'm not very good at casting movies. I don't know. What would yours be? Um, I think mine would be American Royals. Ooh. And I don't know
0: enough youths to tell you anyone who would play anyone, but I would love to see that adapted.
1: You know what? I actually think that American Royals, to me, would make a better TV show. Yes, than I think a you're right. Movie.
0: Better TV show. Yeah. It, it would be a great TV
1: show. It would be. Oh, I want yeah. both of those to I get I would made. also
0: really like the selection to be made into a movie. It would yeah. probably be really bad, but I would love it. Yeah. Wait, so let's take a, a quick break.
1: So very fittingly, today's episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. So Book of the Month is a monthly book subscription. Here's how it works. Every month, they feature five new and early release books, and you pick one or really as many as you want, and they mail them right to you.
0: So in my opinion, one of the coolest elements of Book of the Month is that they very often have early release books a month or more in advance of their release date. I love getting my hands on a new book before it comes out. It feels like being in in like a cool VIP book club.
1: Yep. The other part that I think is really special is their curation. So when they pick a book, I know that they've done their research and it's going to be worth reading. And very often I'll step out of my comfort zone and read something that I wouldn't normally have picked because Book of the Month recommended it. So for example, last month I picked You Are Not Alone by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekkanen which is a thriller, which is not usually my genre. And it ended up being one of the best things I read last month. Wait, so Becca, what did you pick for March? So I picked Writers and Lovers by Lily King. So I really enjoyed her previous book, Euphoria. And this one sounded really good. It's set in the late 90s. And it follows a woman who is determined to live a creative life, but is having trouble balancing that with the act of real life. And it all comes to a head when she falls in love with two different men. So, I'm very excited about this and both because of the author and because of the plot.
0: Oh, I love a love triangle. Yeah. What did you pick? I picked The Two Lives of Lydia Bird by Josie Silver. Josie Silver wrote one day in December, which was our December book club pick. I love her writing. I think I'm just so excited about it. I know that you said it was really sad, so I'm a little nervous like because I don't want to cry,
1: but I can't wait to read this. I cried a lot in the first half of that book. Okay. So if you're nervous about the subscription aspect of Book of the Month, we get it. But Book of the Month is totally commitment-free. So you can skip a month as often as you like, or you can use your credit on a past pick. And it's honestly one of my favorite pieces of mail to receive every month. So if you love reading or you just want to read more, Book of the Month is a must.
0: Guys, we have an offer for you. So head to bookofthemonth.com and use promo code BOP10 to get your first book for just $10. Again, that's bookofthemonth.com and use code BOP10 to get
1: your first book
0: for just $10. So we
1: kind of already touched on this, but I wanted to know how you discover new books. Um, I would say...
0: Those reading lists that I love, like I always like scouring Bustle and Refinery and those sites for like the because they'll always be like, these are the best books to know for spring. These are the best books coming out in March. So I always scour those lists. Um, NYC Book Girl is a really good source. Ashley Spivey. Um, What else do I like to do? We get a lot of press releases sent to us about Mm -hmm. upcoming books. Um, I don't stock Goodreads like you do. Also, Amazon. Like I want, I buy things on Amazon like every day, and they oftentimes will like be like, "You might like this book." Amazon, and then it's by an algorithm
1: is eerily accurate. It's terrifying. There have been times where Amazon will put a book in front of me so many times, and I will finally cave in, and it is a book that I, on the surface, feel like I would not enjoy, mm-hmm. and of course, I love it.
0: I also get a lot of recommendations from my readers on my blog because mm-hmm. I do my monthly reading list and I always say in the comments, like, tell me what to read next. And I get a lot of good suggestions there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, So I feel like Bookstagram recently has become like a really big source for me to hear about books. Yeah. I'll, and sometimes it's um just not even a specific person. It's just seeing the same book cover over, over and, over, and over. over again. And so it kind of like seeps into your brain mm-hmm. i have a few friends who are big readers so we'll pass back recommendations back and forth mm-hmm. um i told you my read stalking trick that's how i usually do it um where else do i hear about books i do i do discover a decent amount of things through book of the month whether or not yes. i get it through book of the month but i feel like they their curation like i very there's very rarely like A Reese's book club pick that I haven't heard of before. Yes. But I feel like with Book of the Month, there's definitely deeper cuts where they're not even on my radar. Agree. And sometimes I'll get them through Book of the Month, but sometimes I'll also just like, I just also have a level of
0: trust with Book of the Month. Like, I know I'm going to like it.
1: Same. Yeah.
0: What are some of your favorite Bookstagrams?
1: Okay. So we have the same ones. I feel like I've said this before. I feel like my, I like Bookstagrams that are not just flat lays of books. So I like it when there's people in them. Yeah. So, I mean, Morgan from NYC Book Girl, who we had on the podcast, is like an angel. I love her. I feel like she has such good taste in books. And I like – I love her Instagram. Yes. Ashley Spivey is one of the most accurate – accurate's not the right word – but she's one of the most like aligned people to my taste in terms of book recommendations.
0: I always say that. She – we we just have I think you and I have very similar taste to Ashley, and she never leads us astray,
1: yeah. um, Hitha Palapu, who who is also a past podcast guest, reads a lot. She definitely has some different interests than me. So sometimes she'll talk about something and I'm like, ah, I'm not going to like that. yeah, but and she reads more nonfiction than I do, But she does have good book recommendations. Emma Straub, who, is an author, but she's also the owner of Books Are Magic in Brooklyn. I feel like on her Instagram stories, she'll always have good books. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, one that um, Ashley Spivey turned me on to is Jordy's Book Club. Do you follow him? Yes. So he's actually an exception because his is all flat lays of books. But he does a series of like what's coming out each Tuesday, which is when books are released. Mm-hmm. And I find his to be really helpful in terms of just like knowing what's out there. Yes. And then the last one, I am obsessed with Sarah's bookshelves. She has great recommendations. I also think that she is probably more honest than a lot of people on the internet where she also gives negative reviews.
0: And she says exactly what she DNF'd.
1: Totally. Like for me, I feel like a lot of times the way to tell if I didn't like a book is if I start talking about it and then there's never any follow up. Yeah. Just like it goes away. Mm -hmm. She is very candid, which I really, really appreciate. And um, she does a series where she like does hot releases that come out in the month and she tells you honest thoughts about them. And I really like that. Yeah. What about do you have any different ones?
0: Yeah, I have a few. Okay. I have um, Lauren from Girl Powered Reads and that's G-R-L-P-W-R-D Reads. And this is a smaller account, but she highlights um, a diverse range of women. So her, she's really big on featuring women of color. Um, the next one that I really like is, oh, Mary Laura Philpott. Love her. She Love was her. our guest in Nashville. She has great taste in books. Um, there's an g- account called Ink and Fable. Um, the girl's name is Patience. And I, I think she's kind of like – her feed is kind of like mine. Like it's a lot of outfits and styles, style stuff. But she also reads a lot and puts a lot of books
1: on. there. I feel there. like I followed her, but I feel like she stopped posting that much.
0: Um, I like Molly Reads. It's Molly with an I-E. She has really, really good book taste. And she works in publishing. Um, who else do I really like? Um, oh, I like Worlds Within Pages. She's great. We have very similar taste in books. I like Carly. Carly's book. Oh club. yeah, Carly does have good book taste. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Literary Joe. She's friends with Morgan from NYC oh, yeah, Book yeah, yeah, Girl. Yeah. Morgan told us about her.
1: I follow her too.
0: Oh, I love this one called From Be with Love. The girl's name is Bronte, and she has really good taste in books but she also has beautiful photography so like lots of shots of like her in the bathtub reading it's like very editorial and cool
1: oh i don't think i follow her you know who else i just thought of who i think does a good job is ashley brooke oh yes i love ashley she's a friend of mine
0: she's great her and carly are really close
1: yeah she has her um she has her account that is her book club but then also on her main account
0: and I like Sarah's bookshelves a lot too. I would say Ashley Spivey though for me is like the one person that when she recommends a book, I know that I'm going to love it.
1: Yeah. What about authors? Do you follow a lot of authors on Instagram? A little bit. I
0: follow Emma Straub. I follow, I mean, I feel like Katie McGee is like our friend. Yep. Um, Christy Woodson Harvey has become a friend. Um, Andrea Dunlop gives me like book recommendations all the time because she knows how much I like a trashy thriller and so does she. So them. Um, I'm trying to think of other authors that I follow.
1: It's actually really crazy. I feel like when I post books on my Instagram and I go to tag the authors, it always surprises me how sometimes the authors don't have any Instagram at all or their Instagram is a little unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It's. I think that Twitter is more the platform for writers.
0: Yeah. And so it's it is very interesting to see some authors on there because some of the accounts are bad. <laughs>
1: but I like following authors like I like to um, Katie McGee actually. Ka- so she writes under Catherine McGee. She's the author of American Royals shared a, a Instagram the other week about her process, about her whiteboard that she uses. I like seeing behind the scenes of stuff. Andrea Dunlop does a lot of that, too. Yeah, she does. I like following Andrea Dunlop. And then I've also recently started following Lindsay Kelk. Okay, And she's the author of One in a Million, which was that British chick lit book I read over Christmas. Oh, okay. And I like following her as well. She just submitted a book. So she, I feel like hers was like in editing agony when she was like mm-hmm. posting about that. And then I also like Jasmine Guillory. I feel like she also posts a lot of behind the scenes. Yeah, I like following her too. I wish more authors were more active on Instagram because you know I'm not a Twitter person. Mm-hmm. But much awaited. What are a few books that are coming out later this year that you are very excited about?
0: So I'm really excited for Christy Woodson Harvey's new book, um, which is called Feels Like Falling. I love everything she writes.
1: I, I have that one in my nightstand. I need to like. I'm, wait- I'm very excited for
0: All Adults Here by Emma Straub. It's so good. I got sent a creepy looking thriller called The Twin by Natasha Preston, and I'm excited for that. Um, Samantha Downing, who wrote. My Lovely Wife, which was like a really crazy thriller, has a new one called He Started It. Ooh. And then lastly, I don't know if – did you read Sweet Bitter? Yes. So Stephanie Danler, who – she's a good author to follow too. Stephanie Dandler, who wrote Sweet Bitter, has a memoir coming out and it's just called Stray – And I'm excited to read that because I loved Sweet Vitter so much. I mean, I grew up in a restaurant and, like, did every job, like, from, like, drying silverware to valet parking to dishwashing to waiting tables. So, like, I love anything that's about the restaurant industry. But I'm excited to read her memoir.
1: Yeah, I got that one, too. I'm excited about it. I feel like for me – okay, so I'm so excited for The Air Affair.
0: Oh, my God, I know.
1: Which is the – We haven't heard anything about that. I know. It's the Prince Harry sequel to – the royal we. And I feel like this book has let me down a few times, not because I've read it, but just because I feel like they keep saying it's going to come out and it doesn't. So I'm kind of at that point where I'll believe it when when I see it. But I'm very excited for that one. Mm -hmm. I'm also very excited for Fiona Davis has a new book coming out this summer called The Lions of Fifth Avenue. Yeah. And it's a multi-generational book and it has to do with the New York Public Library, like the Fifth Avenue Library. Uh huh. So I'm very excited about that. I love all her books. Um, Friends and Strangers by Jay Courtney Sullivan. Okay. Are you a Jay Courtney Sullivan fan?
0: Mm-mm.
1: You've never read Commencement.
0: Mm-mm.
1: Oh, I feel like that book was very formative for me. Okay. So I'm very excited about that. I I feel like Jay Courtney Sullivan is an author that I will always read what she writes, mm-hmm. and um. I don't even really know what this one is about, but I was so excited to see that she has a book coming out this year. And then, oh, have you heard about The Betrothed by Kira Cass? No. So, guys, Kira Cass wrote
0: The Selection.
1: She has a new series coming out.
0: That book was the impetus for starting the podcast.
1: Yeah. She has a new book coming out, I think, this summer sometime. Oh, I
0: can't wait for that. I
1: know. Me too. Um, Yeah. I feel like my TBR pile – it's almost hard to pick a book because I have so many upcoming releases that I'm so excited about. Yeah. Oh, let's talk a little bit about book clubs that are not our book club. OK. Have you ever been in a book club? Yes, I've been in lots of book clubs. Have you ever been in a successful book club? Yeah. Oh. So I was in a book club when I
0: first moved to the city, and it's how I met all of my close girlfriends, like my friend Kristen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of them. They've moved out of the city, but. Like Nicolette was my roommate and Kristen um, is my other like old school bestie. And Kristen and I met through my book club. Oh, But what happened was I moved to New York with my friend Nicolette. We didn't know anybody. And then we had a friend, Caitlin, Caitlin, who lives in Boston. Mm-hmm. Caitlin was working at Brooks Brothers and all of these girls from Brooks Brothers started a book club and they invited us to join the book club. So we made friends with all of them. Um, and it was mostly, like, girls in, like, entry-level fashion jobs. So, like, our friend Meg was an assistant buyer at Saks. Um, Nicolette was over at Macy's. I was working for P&G. And I made, like, my best friends through that um, book club. And it was actually so successful that we started a spinoff. And we just called it Wine Club, um, where we would just drink wine in someone's apartment. So every month we had two meetings. We had a book club for just the – and the book club started to thin out as we – as more people came to wine club. But um, it was really fun. The book club was around for like a solid couple of years. Like I'm we were so very successful.
1: jealous. I want to have a book club and a wine club. It was fun. It was definitely
0: like the days where we were very poor and also had less plans and things. But um, I made some of my closest friends in the city from it.
1: Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. I have always wanted to be in a very active book club and Every book club I've been has, like, died a slow death by scheduling. Oh, so, wait, sorry. I,
0: a note about the wine club. Every month we would pick a region. So it wasn't just, like, drinking wine.
1: Either way, I yeah. would just go to the drinking wine club, too.
0: Yeah, it was fun.
1: Um, So I was in a book club when I lived in San Francisco. That was my most successful book club. But then I moved. So I was probably only in it for five months or so. Mm-hmm. And it was really good, except for there was this one woman in it who would always pick, like, a Philippa Gregory book.
0: Oh, Ugh. you you told me this story. This sounds
1: familiar. Which is like my nightmare. But anyway, that was a successful book club, but then I moved. I remember at one point deciding with my friend Ashley that we were going to be in a two-person book club, even though we didn't live in the same city. And mm-hmm. you can imagine how well that went. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. And I think the only book we read was A Tree Grows in Brooklyn for whatever reason. Oh, that's funny. I have no idea why. Okay. And then you tried to start a book club at one point. Yeah. And you had it at your old apartment, your studio apartment. There were like 10 of us. Mm-hmm. And I think Hitha was the only person who read the book.
0: Yeah. It was a
1: failure. It was a failure. Yeah. I I kind of want to start a real life book club this year. I It brings me so much joy to discuss books with people. Mm-hmm. And I would say one of the my favorite parts about this podcast is that I've never quite gotten the hang of having an offline book club yeah now i have so many people in the facebook group or in general to discuss books with so it makes me so happy but i do want to have an offline book club maybe that's like a second half of 2020 goal yeah um i thought it also could be interesting to talk about how we pick the books for our bad on paper podcast book club
0: so spoiler alert we have no real process
1: What we do... You make it sound...
0: No. We've really put a lot of work and thought into our book club picks. Like, I know that maybe it seems random and stuff, but, like, we are, again, reading all those book lists of, like, the most anticipated books. Then we'll reach out to publishers and ask them if they can send us an advanced copy um, so that we can read it ahead of time and pick something really current. Sometimes we just can't find a book that we love. Like, this month, there was a few books that that were more current, um and we didn't feel strongly enough about any of them. So we ended up picking I'll Give You the Sun. But I think, you know, it's hard because we both have to agree. So we can't have too many thrillers. We also can't have too many schmaltzy romances. We try and keep it somewhat diverse so that we have a range of authors. We try and keep it um, so that there's not like two romantic comedies in a row, or two thrillers in a row, or two YA books in a row. Like we try and mix it up. So if we do a YA book one month, we definitely won't do one the next month. If we do a thriller, then maybe we'll try and follow it up with like something light and fun. Um, but we're always trying to keep it like current because we like to read like newer books and like talk about what everyone else is talking about. But also, it has to be something we both feel really strongly about.
1: I feel like one of our aspirations that I know we've talked about in real life, but I don't know that we've ever talked about in the podcast. Like I would love for our book club picks to be like a seal in the future. You know, like I would love to just be somebody who's an arbiter of great new books.
0: Yeah. I'd love to walk into McNally Jackson and have like a little shelf. that's like, these are the bad on paper uh, book picks.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. That would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, we really try to pick things that, we think everyone will enjoy. Like we screen really hard, and I mean, like last month we thought about doing "You Are Not Alone," but there's definitely some triggers in terms of suicide and in terms of rape. And we were like, "No, we, like we don't think that."
0: Yeah, it was such a good book, but it wasn't a book club pick,
1: right? So we were like, "We don't think a that book can people be great. like this." Yeah,
0: it can be a great book, but not right for book club. What was another one that we read that was a contender? Um, oh, there's so many.
1: I feel like last month or this month was our ha- was our hardest to pick we like really agonized over we it
0: really agonized I also
1: feel like we for better or for worse take it more seriously now than we did at the beginning like we didn't always read the books before we picked them in oh, the no, beginning pick, yeah we would pick old books we like, didn't really care and I know some people have said like they wish it would go back to that but
0: I, I want to do a good job it's Yo, my type three yeah we want to do a good job for you guys it's funny someone was like I miss the days where it was less planned I want to say I was yeah. like, well, sorry for trying at our jobs.
1: <laughs> so yeah, but it has been really interesting, even just the act of running this book club, to see first of all, where people disagree with us. We've definitely had picks that people have hated. And then also to see what are the picks that are books that we really loved, but then are terrible for discussion. Yes, like um Cersei. Cersei is such a good example. Also, when we read um Children of Blood and Bone, I like I think that was another book yeah. that was hard to discuss. Like, I think sometimes, well, sometimes these, like, really long fantasy books, it's just hard to outline and discuss. And it's, then it's like, why we
0: won't have a Sarah J. Moss book, because they're are 800 pages yeah. and also, like, a lot of names and different things to discuss.
1: Right. And then there's also books that are just, like, oh, that was really wonderful. And it's kind of, like, why we haven't had, we wouldn't have a Sky Painted Gold be one of those books, because I feel like the only thing I have to say about it is that it's so beautiful and... Like wonderful, but I don't really have any critical thoughts of it that would mm-hmm. lead to a good discussion, yes, so I think that's been interesting to kind of learn that a good book doesn't always make a good book club pick. Yeah, there has to be good discussion around it. Like, and I also like when we don't agree, mm-hmm, and I, I do too. I like it less when our audience doesn't agree with us because then it means that they probably didn't like the book. Mm-hmm. but i I like when a book has some controversy, yes, agreed, yeah.
0: Oh, and we like this month, we almost read Our Stop. That was one. Mm-hmm. And we decided against that. And what was the other cute rom-com that we were going to read?
1: Oh, you didn't read at the... Um, I did read it. Would, lo- would Like to Meet. I loved that one. Yeah, I liked it.
0: I didn't... I don't know.
1: I thought it was so cute.
0: Yeah. So we we read so much and a lot of that is vetting because we want to pick the best possible books for for our book club. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Let's get out of book talk okay. and let's talk about End matter. And matter. So, obsessions. Obsessions.
0: My obsession this week. If you follow me on Instagram, you know what it is. It's Alison Roman's tiny salty chocolate cookies. I can't stop making them. I made you some. I made. Can I have one? Um, maybe. I only have two left.
1: Never mind. Um, I th- I threw one of mine
0: out. You didn't, you're never getting another cookie from me again. <laughs> Why did you throw it out? Because
1: I couldn't stop eating them.
0: They're so good. I felt
1: like I felt like Miranda that episode of Sex and the City with the cake.
0: I only gave you like three. You
1: gave me like... Yeah. And I...
0: Yeah. Oh. Don't throw that out. That's really wasteful.
1: It was so good. They're just, so
0: good. They're so good. They're so easy to make. They're so delicious. Um, I'm not a big chocolate person, but for whatever reason, these cookies are really satisfying for me.
1: Oh, they're so good. Yeah. Um. So my obsession is my corgi pods. Have you I seen- saw those. They're like my dino pods. <laughs> yes. So we were at the Four Seasons over the weekend with Jackie. And Grace had her... She has, like, monster pods.
0: What's a monster pod?
1: Aren't your Isn't your AirPod case, like, a monster? Yeah, it's a dinosaur. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a... It's a little green monster. Rubber case that goes around your AirPods. It's cute. It's, it's a keychain, too. It's a keychain, too. And then Jackie was saying that she has one that's the... It's the new Sanrio character that's a depressed egg. Mm-hmm. And as someone who... Is a very big fan of kitschy animal things and weird character things. I really felt like this was passing me by. So um, I bought a case that is a quirky and it's so cute and it makes me so happy. It's really cute. And I don't know why I didn't get on this train before. Yeah. Because for an $11 Amazon purchase, it's bringing me a lot of joy.
0: Yeah guys, if you search silicone <laughs> airpods case, you can you'll find it for
1: everything. There's everything. The avocado one is really cute. There's a lot. There's um yeah, there's so there's a penguin that's cute. Uh-huh. Oh.
0: There's so many good ones.
1: Makes me think about getting one of those. You have some of the big phone ones too.
0: Yeah, I've got some fun phone cases. Those
1: are too big for me. They're
0: fun. I copied Katie. Katie Serrano always has like a crazy phone case and crazy airpod case. Yeah. And I was like, I need to get involved in this ch- in this trend.
1: What about on reading?
0: What are you currently reading? So I'm still reading. This is big by Marissa Meltzer. I'm probably going to finish it tonight. It's um, it's great. We've talked about it before, but it's inter. It's it's nonfiction. It's her memoir, and it alternates chapters between her own life and um, like kind of like a biography of Jean Nydach who was the founder of Weight Watchers.
1: So I think it's a bad. It's definitely a bad reading week on both fronts. So I am still reading The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel. That's a slower read, I think. Oh, is it? And I would like to tell you that I'm almost done, but I'm not. And I also don't know that I will be done next week because I have such a busy week. So I feel like this is, you know, reading ebbs and flows. It does. And I read so much in February. So I'm like, "Eh, it's fine, but not, not going anywhere fast with this one.
0: I'm going to Miami this weekend, so I'm going to read
1: a lot. Oh, I'm so jealous of that. Well, if you need something to read, I already told you that it's one of my favorite books that I've read recently. Um, We're reading I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. Mm -hmm. So the book is a more literary YA pick about twins who, at the beginning of the book, are best friends and at the end of the book aren't speaking or I guess in the second timeline of the book aren't speaking. And it go- goes through why that is. They're both very artistic and it's it's really beautifully told and just such a wonderful story. I, I really, this is a book for anyone. I'm really excited to read it.
0: I haven't read it yet. So we were just talking about how we both have to really love a book. But in some cases, I trust Becca and she trusts me. And she was like, why don't we read this book? And I was like, I'm in. Sounds amazing.
1: I I hope that you like it as much as I did because I I really loved it. And I think if you look at any of the fanfare in the Facebook, it's people people are are freaking out.
0: Yeah, I can't wait.
1: So if you would like more Bad on Paper, we have a great Facebook group that I just mentioned. Just search Bad on Paper on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood.
0: And my blog is thestripe.com.
1: Bye. Bye.